it's good to be online again and just not stopping from where we, from the last show, maintaining the tempo. Let me tell you a story. Last two weeks ago, I was driving down Arlington, heading south, Furness, just going home to make it home before this show at 6 p.m. And guess what happened? I did not make it home until 11 p.m. And I was just a few blocks away. I was on Century. I lived just two blocks down up south of Imperial. So I was literally 10 minutes from home, but did not make it home until 11. It took you all that time? Yes, because uh, the triple A will not come. I was in the middle of the road. And the solution was essentially, um, are you obstructing traffic? Should we call the police? And, and what? I said, yes. And I said, could it just be you get a tow truck and move me and not call the cops right now? Because I'm safe. Traffic going around me. And it took all of 11 p.m. And, oh, my God. That's and terrible. I got a text message. And the text message also came from AAA. And it said, sorry, we are short on staff right now. <laughs> so we are looking for a tow company. And unfortunately, it was just before 6 p.m. where everybody was getting right. up the clock. That's right. So it probably, that is absolutely insane because you called me before that. And it would I would have never said it would have taken all that time because it was before 6 it was before yes. your show. And, uh, and oh I, my God. I'm, I'm a believer. I don't want to preach God or anything right now. But guess what? That is That was also the day where my evaluation was due. And I'd not submitted my paperwork. Oh, you're kidding. And I was just going to drive home, have the radio show, and submit my evaluation. I did not get home till <laughs> after 11. And at 11.15 p.m., Triple A called to tell me, sorry to keep you waiting. Oh, my God. Uh, we'll be sending, we finally located a tow truck. And I said, I'm at home. <laughs> you called me just when I made it home. So I'm. What? I, you never got a tow truck until after 11? I oh got the tow God. truck at 1045. My, oh my family had come in. And uh, it's in your own words. It's what we see when we look out. That is why today we have an exceptional guest. She's more than an angel. And uh, she got only seven minutes notice. She's not prepared. She doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. She'll know exactly what to do. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But when I said, it's like, a, who wants to be a millionaire? And I started going through the list of my <laughs> life. <laughs> yes. And I picked my first life. And she picked the phone. And I said, I need you right now. And Monica Lewis picked the phone and said, Dr. Godwin, I'm doing my laundry. I said, where are you? Are you at home <laughs> on the laundry mat? She said, I'm at home. I said, do you have a computer closed? But she said, I said, log in right now because other, some other plans I had have not gone through. 
and I don't have a callback number, will you kindly be my guest? There is no better introduction for Monica. And that is Monica. She steps up. And uh, for full disclosure, we are both from the same fraternity. And she is the chairman of my own parish council in my church. But more than that, okay, we hear something. There's background noise coming from somewhere. Okay, that's me. I'm I'm unmuted now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, fr- and uh, she has led the parish steadfastly through the pandemic, but she has so much more to offer. And she asked me, "Hey, G, what are we going to talk about?" I said, "Only one thing. This is Black History Month, and we want the women leaders." We want those who are doing the job to actually step up and answer the story. Speak the truth. Tell me your story. That is why we call it in your own words with all the flexibility involved. Just say the truth. Tell me what you do, how you do it, what brings you up. Why do you even wake up in the morning? And in the last in the last show with Dr. Kalis, I, I always insert the word kindness. And I cannot refrain from talking about the pandemic, but I dance around it. I try my best not to make it the focus because we 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 bring the humanity into our dilemma. We talk the truth, but we don't want to just go into that crawl space where it is that. Jai, 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 jai. Uh, it's 6 or 7. Uh, Colette, let me tell you what happened to me on, fr- on Thursday night. I hope your car did not break down again, please. No, you're no. not stuck on the road for 40 no. hours. Okay. Nope. Okay. I was all dressed, looking like a VIP. Somewhere in rim of the world, I had a suit on, my bow tie, my and a coat on top of it because it was snowing. And the next thing I saw were both my feet in the sky. <clears throat> oh yeah, I slipped. And I was trying to tell myself, it's going to be okay. Oh, Dr. Godwin, you're kidding. No, it was slow motion. Because I was making, trying to make an eye contact with people in the room. So that they opened the side door where somebody thought it was the best place. Oh, no. Get me through. Oh, no. And I saw both my feet in the sky with me like that oh no and i said oh so this is how people really truly die oh you're kidding oh yes oh my god i smashed the back and everything but uh you know i sucked it in got the snow off of you dusted yourself off got up like like it never happened and i just gave the swag (laughs) 
and continued yes, right yes. home. Like, like it didn't even hurt. Yes, but then I now went into the meeting eventually, not through that door, nevertheless. <laughs> and when I went through that door, it was not supposed to be a QA. But after the presentation, boom, it was a QA. So I jumped up to respond to public comments with the press and everything. And one of the comments included, why do, with all we pay for and what we do, why do we have 99 staff, which is a third of the staff, essentially, testing positive for COVID? Oh. After how what they oh do. Oh, my God, you're kidding. And that is 99 one time. I'm not talking about repeat infection. And I said... 99 people tested positive? From a third of the staff. Oh, my God. And I said, it was a wisdom of God because I, ne- I, I didn't anticipate it. And I said, oh, bling, 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 bling. You are spending so much money. You are doing so much work. And you appreciate it. You are better than many districts. But guess what? Your staff members are members of the community. And at the end of the day, they will go home. How much control do you have about their activities at home? And they said no. And that is it. I don't know where that response came from, but that was the only thing I could say while holding my back slightly from that <laughs> from that fall. And Monica is an example of a member of the community. Mm. And uh, she's there digging through, helping, crying, shouting. And she has, unfortunately, I'm also a deputy. And I'm the no-show deputy. So I'm minus one on her team. But I picked the phone and she agrees to be here. So Monica, thank you for coming to the show today. It's called In Your Own Words. I know you had a whole seven minutes to put on your makeup. to be on the show and you have the floor oh well thank you dr godwin i you know i had heard that you did a radio show but i not have the the time or the opportunity to you know tune in and you know you did just give me like 10 seconds to (laughs) to talk I don't really know like what exactly you'd like for me to talk about so maybe I can just talk about you know um our involvement together especially during um COVID with our um with our church and our parish community and all that was put in place to really try to keep them safe you know educate them using your Um, you know, your physician expertise was really beneficial for so many. And, 
getting rallying the troops to get, you know, vaccination clinics at the church or at our neighboring Catholic churches and, um, you know, the testing. And so, you know, we really appreciate all of your efforts and support there. The other thing I think that's been so um, valuable is the education of our, um, you know, of our Black and African American communities with not only COVID, but just with um, health and wellness education altogether. Um, In fact, we're Um, Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church is now doing a, um, it's like a four-week program, and it's being sponsored by, um, I forgot the name of the, um, it's a Black nurse sorority. They're sponsoring it through um, the American Heart Association, and they're also doing education. Anybody could sign up. It's all on Zoom, so there's no in-person, you know, meetings, but We've done, they've, they're doing education again on health and wellness and blood pressure, diet, exercise, the importance of all of those things. And I think that's something that's, you know, there can never be enough education um, in our communities, as well as the Latino community on education, education on, on health and wellness, because we're all impacted so much by high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, cancer, all the, all of those illnesses, as well as COVID now, where we're, um, you know, seem to be targeted much more than, than um, most other, um, most other populations. So. That, that's interesting, Monica. Uh, you, you hit some points and I'll break them down for you. you you've mentioned equity because uh, not equality, but that of mm-hmm. equity where to each you adapt for what they need, mm-hmm. which we'll understand. And uh, you also mentioned, you know, some of the projects, social impact projects you are involved with through the church, but I know through your life too, because uh, I track you on social media. But now, why should we call the cops or should we call the cops on homeless people? Because they are reducing our property value. Why is that an issue? Should homelessness be a crime? Should, should we legislate? And I say this because uh, 22, that's tomorrow, we are starting the homeless census. And I'll be involved with it. But now when you see an homeless person, we actually call the cops. Before Monica will speak, I will let uh, Miss Williams speak. I wanted to respond to your uh, question. Should we call the cops? My niece lives up in the hills of Baldwin Hills, right off of La Brea. And she's got a one of those really expensive homes up there. And uh, she was pregnant. Well, she looks out her bedroom window, the sliding glass door, and sees this man walk across her backyard. And she saw him. She ran and got her husband. Husband came, came to the room, went outside, 
They called the police. The police came up and it was a homeless man. He had somehow scaled the hills from La Brea all the way up. And from her backyard, it's a straight drop down. It's just from her backyard, it's a straight drop down to La Brea. And he made his way all the way up that hill to her backyard, climbed the fence and got in the yard. And when the police got there, they asked him why he was in the backyard. He said he just wanted to see what was going on. Well, no doubt they handcuffed him and put him in the car and took him probably for trespassing, took him to jail. And he probably stayed overnight, who knows? But that's a tough one because LA has not been kind to people who are without shelter. LA has done a horrible, horrible job. And it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It is horrible. So should the police be called when homeless people find themselves or homeowners find themselves confronted with someone who is homeless? That's, again, that's something that's very challenging. They called the police and the guy was in, the, in their yard trespassing. So it's a very hard, hard call. Thank you, Dr. Godwin. Thank you, uh, Ms. Williams. I know it's a very hard call, but I also know that Monica is just right there in the middle of it because uh, we describe a vagrant person as, you know, without a settled home or regular work, who wanders from place to place and lives by begging. But most of them, not all, are harmless. And they just need a place. And as children of God, we know we try to accommodate, but we do not want also at our own peril. Because you want to have a vagrant sitting by your window. So you have that dichotomy, right? You have that situation where, you know what? I'm paying a lot for this house and I have baby girls. And I don't want anybody that eventually may end up being a molester. But usually the molesters are intimate family members. And there are community resources available rather than calling the police. And uh, for Monica, uh, for Black History Month, I know that you had a whole six minutes now to prepare <laughs> for this talk. But as we talk about community resources, we have the Black men, we have our kids. They misbehave sometimes. How difficult is it to call Uncle Joe rather than to call the police officer in your own experience, uh, Monica? You know, like Miss Williams said, that's a really, it's a really tough situation to be in. Because, you know, um, Holy Name of Jesus, our church is in Jefferson Park. And that the homeless situation has really been a struggle for the area. Because so many are being displaced by gentrification, you know. And as well, um, many grew up in the area and now have no home, no place to go. So it's really been, um, you know, a challenge for so 
many to try to get the services that they, you know, that they need. Um, and we have been able to, um, to call on the, I forgot the group. It's like the outreach team. So that's the, it's a um, collaboration with the city of Los Angeles. And it's an outreach team that in assisting with um, getting the homeless off the streets, basically. And so we would contact them numerous times um, in an effort to try to get them the services that they need. And this effort was done also in collaboration kitchen, which has kind of started off as like a soup kitchen, providing meals to people in need. And the need just grew from there. And that program has been in place probably for over 50 years at Holy Name. And it's been very beneficial in assisting so many. But there's still the problem. And, you know, with the homeless count coming up, I know they've said many times that they're not even able to really get a valid count of how many are actually homeless because they move around so much, you know? So I'm just hoping that they will be able to, um, you know, get, get a better count and really just get the services going that the people need because it seems to be stalling somewhere. You can count and count and count, but the people need more than somebody counting them. They need the, the help. They need the support and the services that, you know, we've all been paying for through our tax dollars. Right. Why is the count such a very big deal? I spent two hours talking to uh, Mark Ridley Thomas's deputy, two hours talking to her. And what she got across to me was that they were waiting for the data. And me, along with another person, we kept saying, what data? The other person finally left. And I kept saying, data, what data do you need? All you have to do is drive down any street from uh, downtown LA down into Torrance or Lawndale, down to Alameda down to Long Beach. What, what do you need? What more do you need? You can drive down any street and see people who are living on the street, no matter where you walk, no matter where you drive, no matter where you live. There are people living on the street. What kind of data do you need? That makes no sense. And I am very, very cynical about it. And I think it's simply a way to keep people who are in city hall, keeps them in jobs. The city has been given so much money to get rid of homelessness. They're not doing that. They're keeping themselves in a job. They're keeping themselves in a job. They're not spending the money, making sure that people have shelter. They're not doing it. They're making sure they have a job. So, I think it's a horrible, horrible thing. It can't get any worse. Is there another place in this country where the homeless issue is as bad as it is in Los Angeles? I don't think so. No, uh, Miss Collette, we may be the homeless capital of the U.S. and we don't talk about it. But you must think about all the social impacts right now. Okay, let us go back to where we are, what we are talking about. We are talking about 
Should I just call it being black in America without infringing on copyright? Should I just make it local and say being black in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Yes. Should I, I also just tell you about the fact yes. that, hey, you know what? I don't have a son. He acts up and I don't call Uncle Joe. I call the cops. Right. And in the chat, I'm, I'm monitoring the chat and I said, is it possible not to call the police? In some of just interacting with the society. Now, Monica said something that was interesting. She talked about the mini kitchen. She talked about the homeless. She talked about parish work because she's a parish president. Guess what happened to Monica? She didn't tell you this. They called the cops on us too. And they called the ordinance, the city rule on us. And you know what the rule said? What came first? Oh, you're serving warm food. And your kitchen has not been approved to serve the community. Yes. They pulled out on Monica and uh, I'm a shadow. What? Oh my God. Yep. Really? And the question we asked in return was what came first, the kitchen or the homeless? We didn't think we said because we are children of God. We said what came first? The homeless were there, then we fed them. But the the accusation that we fed the homeless, so they came. Right. So now the city is denying their responsibility. And you cannot legislate homelessness. And there are people who actually will drive to the place to get their one single hot meal a day. And when we will not serve on Fridays, they will take two meals on Thursday. What does that tell you as a human being? We may, we may hide, we may laugh, but when you look at the mirror, in your own words, we're keeping it real. We're not talking about gloom and doom. Why will you take two meals on Thursday? Because we're not open on Friday. And that could just be their only meals. And we have all this situation right now where we just simply call the cops on our kids and outsource parenting. So in Black History Month, let's keep it real. Let's not just glorify and praise all the others. How was Martin Luther King when he was shot? I'm sure he didn't elect to die. He was assassinated. It was not his choice. He had no say in that. He didn't elect to be a martyr. He was really, but he never elected at the age of 39. So look downwards now. What are we doing with our kids, Monica? How are we bringing them up? Well, <laughs> I know parents are doing the best they can, Dr. Godwin, because there's just so much, you know, there's just so much going on and, and the struggle is real for a lot of people. And I'm glad you mentioned that about, um, you know, what 
the struggle that Holy Name went through with the mini kitchen because it was our new neighbors that moved into the area that really, you know, caused all the commotion. And in, and it also affected, you know, our school there and our children where, um, you know, we had to like rearrange the, the way they go into the school and come out, you know, a lot of that where the school, now the campus is a closed campus. And that has an effect on, you know, parents, their ch- the children, their education, you know, in the sense that now they, I mean, and this is just me speaking, I, you know, hear from parents, but I don't really have a lot of um, serious dialogue with them, but I hear that, oh, well, now, you know, we have to do these things to keep our kids safe, you know, which in some instances tied to the homeless situation because we did have homeless people wandering around. So that caused the, the school campus to have to be closed and the parents to be more on alert, you know, and then how does that impact the kids and their learning? And then, if you take it a step further, when it comes to Black History Month, you know, are they really, you know, they're really hearing and listening the stories of our past and, you know, the struggles that, you know, so many went through prior to, you know, so many years or anything like that. It's, 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 um, how can I explain? It's just been, a, I think, a, a tough situation for so many. And I, would just really like, you know, what they've said that unless history repeats itself, you know, so, so you're not hearing that many people like online or, um, you know, giving notice based upon like what they, what the online, what, what they, you know, were listening to or whatever. It's like, um, now they, they may be hearing, especially with so much more going on during Black History Month, because it's, I can tell you just for, you know, young um, teens and, and young adults, what they're, what they're hearing out there, you know, what they're listening to, what parents are saying, it's, I think it's a lot for them. I really do. And just trying to keep kids focused and and giving them, building their self-esteem and just kind of making them feel that they're worthy, you know, for, especially for our Black children, which, you know, it's, it's almost a seat like they're being, they're a target when they step out the door. We never know, you know, so you have to arm them with what you think they may need. So, and sometimes, it, you don't, they may not even be ready for it. But it's something that you have to start preparing them for. Like you hear, you know, fathers saying they have that talk with their sons, you know. And like for my nephew, my sister and her husband had to have that talk with him. And it really took a lot to get him to understand what they were saying. But And he's 19 now. But after the second time when he was stopped by LAPD for no apparent reason, he understood what they were talking about. And it was unfortunate that it had, he had to experience it to then understand it, you know, instead of just taking their word for it. But he did. And, and so then he even talked to his friends about it, you know, so kind of spread the word to help his friends and buddies understand, hey, guys, this is real.
Monica, you touched a sore point <laughs> because I'm a black male. And uh, I talk to other people. And right now, you just touched a very soft point. I was writing notes and going to ask you the question, but you jumped the gun. <laughs> because it's in your own words. And we have this across all the social media platform. And Ms. Colette will help you with that to let us know. And there's a recording of this. It's a delicate dance and a delicate balance. You know what a dance is? For me, as Godwin, okay, is to make it home. That is on this side. And on the other side, you don't need to agree with me, will also be my rights. You pull me over, you know what I want to do? I want to be able to tell the story. So I want to make it home. Not be arrogant. Don't fall into the stereotype. And just, I'd hate to say the word, but just don't be angry. I'm assertive. My tone, this is my regular voice. And right now, we're even having a beautiful conversation. And somebody read my email and said, don't be angry, Dr. G. Uh, you know, I know you're passionate. And, and I said, at what point did you classify me as being the angry black male? All I asked for was procedure. But after 50 years on earth, I can find a way to make that statement. But and I have my 16-year-old nephews and above who have told them, be proud, stand upright, never lean. You are a man. You are a black man. And they think that is the most important thing. But they don't make it home. They are afraid. So they fight or they fly. And when they fly, what happens? They shoot them in the back. Every single time, including somebody that said, Taser, Taser, Taser in Minnesota. I pass no judgment. The law, she's guilty. But she gets a two-year sentence. One, two-thirds of it will be in custody, which can be reduced. And the other third will be under supervision. But we have so many black men, brothers, who would probably not see daylight because of marijuana. That is now legal, commercial, medicinal, recreational and any title you call it it's on the street they didn't make it home or they made it home and they hauled to jail so at what time do we balance and how do we negotiate that difficult conversation to tell you for example monica i'm i'm your baby brother today not your son but at least your baby brother and you say Godwin, make it home. Then you also tell me, 
stand your ground? How do we navigate that dance? I asked Monica and uh, Miss William. Anybody can say, respond. <laughs> I honestly don't know because it seems like so many they do what they what they're told to do, like when they're stopped by the police, and it still doesn't end well. So, I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. You can't do both. You can't make it home, and you can't stand your ground. You can't say what you want to say ordinarily. Because any kind of dialogue may precipitate something else. So if the idea is to simply make it home, make it home, then tell your story. I did watch one where the guy did comply. But if, you, if people are aware of how they are trained and how they operate, an officer is going to do everything he can to get his way. I've seen two separate incidents where an officer was on top of two different girls, on top of girls, both in Texas. It never ceases to amaze me how a man can climb on top of a 16, 17 year old girl and he can't do anything else to subdue her or to talk to her. And people are standing around yelling and screaming and he's on top of this girl and she's saying, I can't breathe. You're hurting me. I can't breathe. What goes through the mind of someone who doesn't have one that thinks that that is okay? I don't care where they come from. I don't care what she did. To get on top of her today is not something that should be taken lightly or out of context. And her family takes they had the camera on each time. This guy would not get off of this girl. He would not get off of her. He was on top of her for, I. it, it seemed like a very long time. So you, the boys especially cannot have it both ways. Nobody can have it both ways. I got stopped in LA. I got stopped by the sheriff on 48th and 4th Avenue. And they saw me, and as soon as I saw them cross the tracks at Crenshaw, I knew they were going to stop me. And they did. And it was 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And when they pulled me over, I asked them, when they pulled me over, I said, you guys have got to be kidding. I said, you guys have got to be kidding. He says, ma'am, may I see your driver's license and your registration? I said, sure, but you're going to have to tell me why you stopped me at this hour and you see I am a black woman by myself. My house is right there. What in the world did you stop me for? Why did you stop me? And the guy takes the, my driver's license and the registration because I was driving someone else's car and he comes back and he tells me because there was no reflectiveness on the license plate. And I said, reflectiveness and he said, there's no reflectiveness on the license plate. And I turned and looked at him. I said, that's not even a word. And he says, uh, there's no reflectiveness on your license plate. I said, that is not a word. He says, ma'am, takes my driver's license, goes back, comes back. 
and he says, uh, okay, there's no reflective, reflectiveness on your license plate. I said, uh-huh. The guy on this side, I am positive, was telling him, let's go. This is going to turn out to be something real stupid. Let's go. Because I said, my house is right there. Right there. You can see it. And I knew driving at 25 miles an hour, and that's a two-minute drive from 48th and Crenshaw to 48th and 4th Avenue. And when he told me there was no reflectiveness on the plate, I said, that is not even a word. But the mindset of these people is such that they're going to get their way no matter what. No matter what it takes, they are going to get their way because they're in uniform. They have a weapon. And that's the way they have been trained. They have to come out on top. And when they say they want to make it home to their families, they're only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about the person on the other end of their, they're not thinking about their victim. They're not thinking that that person wants to make it home also. It only goes one way. And that's the one thing that we have to realize. For them, it only goes one way, their way. My sister, I would like to respectfully disagree with you on some of the phrases and language you use. Because you make the they versus we. Who are we? Who are they? Because uh, really, guess what happened? You made it home. And you had some th- factors in your favor. Top on the list. Top on the list? You're an awesome, pretty lady. So they <laughs> let it go. Now, okay. flip side, if you look like me. Bald-haired, black male with an accent. They You're probably right. have hauled me out You're of right. the car right. and search. So it's a question that we ask Monica because uh, she's in social justice, social action, taking care of the community, where one, we are legislating right now, almost making homelessness a crime. <laughs> but what can we do i can't sue you for being homeless okay i'll say a crazy word you're already probably crazy then we send you to jail and ronald reagan said close everything and arrest the people on the street for drug crime and all the other things we are going to the extremes right now but in Black History Month, remember in this show, I'm sure you're going to tell us in a few minutes what we do, is to bring a positive spin. How do we get our sons back home? Most of our daughters make it home. For example, you made it home that night. Some brothers will not have uh, made it home. And some people just think the solution is defund the police. What does that truly mean? We are people of God. We are members of the community. We have other lives. We have multiple hearts and we do everything. But you made it home to tell this story. If, flip the coin, Kenny would not have made it home that night. They probably have hauled his black ASS into the into the jail 
Kenny, I didn't use the word as. Am I okay? Yeah. Yes, you're okay. You're okay. okay. Yeah, they probably have that hauled him out. And that, and, and, and that is the reality. We are comfortable in California and Texas, but think of South Carolina. Think of people in Tennessee. Think of the other part. In Black History Month, we have all these fake movies. We have all these movies about Black achievement. But our sons don't make it home. Our families are homeless. We have gentrification. And God forbid, but it's inevitable. When we pass on, we give the property to our kids. And they flip it at the first chance. Because our kids are also not responsible. They put the house up for 402. You offer them 402. They say, if you give me 398, I will will sell it right now. Like, they actually bring the value down just to flip it. And think of, I won't even say it right now. I will keep it on because we've talked about homelessness and everything. But I'm going to ask Monica a direct question. With all our work and with all our experience and with our passion. She mentioned gentrification. Look at Lemur Park. Left, right, and center. They are buying us out of that place. And we don't want to say we versus them or us. I'm unashamedly black. But they are buying us out. Think of Jefferson Park. Immediately, some other folks came in. You know what they did? They complained that we were feeding the homeless. (laughs) But what came first? Our food or the homeless? The homeless came first and we fed them. (laughs) No, they said we fed them. So they are on the street because we can sustain them. Then we said, we'll bring your mobile toilet to them. I said, no, don't put it in my backyard. So it affect my property value. So, uh, Monica, <laughs> I don't want to hog the call, but you know we are from the same cloth, and we just get it done. How do we get our baby boys home? Because they are knuckleheads. Can I say jackass or idiots on the call? Yes, I can. Yes. You know, I, I, I guess it's just, you know, we just have to stay in their ear. We've got to keep talking to them. We can't give up. And, you know, Dr. Godwin, our young ladies are being targeted as well. Now we're starting to see, and there's, I think, a case that's, that's been in the news the past several days of a young lady that was attacked. Well, I say attacked because that's what it looked like by two police officers, probably because she was being smart. I still don't even really know like what the real story is behind it. And so you're starting to see that more and more too. And that become that's really disturbing because now it's just our children, period. No longer, you know, our our young men and our, you know, our or even our older men, but the the young ladies too. And it's I I yeah, I whew. it's a tough one, you know, it really is. And 
believe me, it, it for me it takes a lot of prayer just to just to stay prayerful and to just you know pray that that our our kids just stay safe you know and I think a lot of talking to them in their ear constantly with you know what's going on and and what they can do and and you know um ways for them to um you know like improve what they're doing and how they do it you know um that's that's all I can say is that it just has to be a constant a constant thing to keep them, you know, to keep them going and to hopefully help them realize like what is happening in our streets today, that it's, it's beyond, um, you know, it's beyond thinking what it, what it's all about. Cause I can't even imagine. I mean, I get really stressed and just scared when I see, black people period pulled over by the police because it in any moment it can just escalate into something horrible and you just never know like what it's going to be and I wonder for myself should I just kind of pull over and just kind of you know just pretend I'm on my phone or something just to be there in case a witness is needed like what do I even do about it and it's the the anxiety level of seeing that kind of stuff I think for so many of us now is even heightened because we don't know what's going to happen next right and one of the things that we do talk about on this network frequently is the fact that black folks need to get out of the cities not just in California but everywhere across this country everywhere we need to start looking at what works for us, what works for Black folks. And I'm not saying that we need to just find another planet, but we need to find another way. That's what I am saying. We need to find another way because there are some things that just do not work for us. And being in the city does not work for us. We can argue that all day long, but in recent years, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is right here. Living in major metropolitan cities, it doesn't work. It does not work. And there's so many things. It's almost like the odds are against us. It's almost like that. Because we have to fight the system. We have to fight the police force. We have to fight to have food and housing. We have to fight the system that says we're not supposed to live in certain places. We have to fight the education system, the healthcare system. We have to fight everything. If we don't have our own, then it's a constant struggle. It's a constant fight. It's a constant back and forth. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why? We're fighting the police system. We're fighting the healthcare system. We're fighting for jobs. We're fighting for a better education. We're fighting this, fighting that constantly in these cities. And the cities are just not your friend. Just yeah, but but, but uh, uh, you also are not considering, uh, Miss uh, William, a very important component, which is your vote count. You're telling us to run away. Today we have uh, Miss Monica, Miss Lewis on this call, and I'm going to put her on this spot. She has been on this spot all day long and ask her, Monica, how do you get on the bus from your house to your church? 
Say that again. How do I get on the bus? Yes, you heard me right. From your house to the church. I didn't say to the grocery yet. I'm just starting with the church. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I have a car. You see, she doesn't know. It's not available. It was not even an option or a consideration because of our zip codes. And we placed her on the spot and she said she has a car. Then we tell her to eat healthy. We tell her not to go to McDonald's where she can drive to. But we tell her to go to the grocery store and she cannot even get on a bus to the church and Monica is at the church every single day. As just an example, she wasn't expecting this. And Kenny is not in his head. Yes, because we keep it real. It's in our own words. It's what we face every single time based on your zip code and gentrification. And they are pushing us further south and further east. Never west. Never close, closer to the ocean. Mm. And you south know, almost always. Dr. Yeah. Okay, you notice that nowadays, anything south of the 10 freeway is now considered south central L.A., if you've grown up there like the rest of us have, South Central L.A. was much further south. As a matter of fact, just south of the 10 was kind of the bougie area in the Crenshaw District and uh, Baldwin Hills and, and, and uh, uh, the other places around there. Those were the bougie areas. Those were not South Central. But it gets back to the narrative, and I completely agree with Colette, and I've been saying that for years. These big cities are not doing us any good anywhere. There are pockets of people. That doesn't mean 100% of the people are doing bad. But I don't care if it's Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, uh, even Atlanta. Atlanta, you've got black people doing really well, but then you have other black people who are not. So you've got this big chasm in between the two, the haves and the have-nots of the black folks. So as a whole, and we don't know how to take care of ourselves. We don't know how to protect ourselves. We don't know how to, to, to fend for ourselves. You know, Dr. Okay was just talking about going, going to McDonald's or something like that. We don't have grocery stores in our neighborhoods, you know, and then we get mad when people bring them in and they don't treat us right. But then we continue to go back. You know, we continue to go back and give them our money. All, all, all that we have to do is stop going there. You know, but we have smoke shop. We have smoke shop. We have liquor shop and we have payday loans. In our neighborhood. In fact, well, we, we, had a, fresh groceries. we had a young lady that was doing a show with us when we very first started this network. And we had some, we weren't on the same page, let's just say. She was starting a check cashing agency in one of the LA suburbs. And the parted ways because we, that did not, that was not part of our narrative. We didn't want to have any parts of that. You know, you have black people. And I remember growing up in, in Altadena, everybody went to uh, Ike and Sam's liquor store to cash their check. And he wanted you to buy something. And I remember being about 19, 20, 21 years old, working at a restaurant, you know, broke as usual, and went in to cash a check. And I didn't have anything except enough for my rent. And the guy was like, you got to buy something. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to make my rent, man. You know, and no, got to start by. And then if you don't buy enough, nope, that's not enough. Buy, 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 buy. So we really need to rethink that. I didn't mean to uh, chime in here and take over. But we really need no, to. Think, uh, no, no, you, you did not take over anything. What you said, you spoke from my own, 
better than I will do, but from my own perspective. Because we have a guest today that is big time in social action, in the church, in the community. But we are stuck in this runt. And what is this runt? Your zip code is almost a penalty. And when you're you across the 10th freeway, that is a bad penalty. I've got a good friend who just moved from that area up in the hills to mm-hmm. Orange County. And his uh, insurance, his car insurance, like it jumped off a cliff, went straight down. He's paying like one-fifth or something like that of what he was paying for the same cars up in Baldwin Hills. But so redlining, the, redlining is illegal. Redlining is real. I'm not saying being illegal. And Monica faces it every day. So Monica, uh, this is called in your own words. It's a conversation with me and my amiable colleagues. And uh, we just drive people crazy because it's unscripted. We keep it real. We don't try to use the word A-S-S. We can spell it. And uh, we just like people to share their experiences. And we'll, but at the end of the day, it's a positive thing. It's not just a rant. Because it's really in your own words. So if I give you an opportunity right now, Miss Monica, and I release you to Jefferson Park all the way to Lemon Park, what will you do? What will I do about what? Anything you pick. Oh, <laughs> um, well, you know, I live in Lamar Park and, you know, our our church is in Jefferson Park. Um, I, I'm going to remain hopeful that, you know, we can, we can do better. Um, I do plan on becoming more a part of um, like our, our government agencies like city council and, you know, even some of the um, not-for-profit agencies and, and what they do, because I, I, I want to make a difference, you know, and I think it's so important, especially for our, for our young people and like for my nieces and nephews that are, you know, trying to make it in school or, you know, starting their, their new jobs and, and things like that. I really support them. I support their, you know, their friends. I try to be a mentor to young people because I just find, think that it's just so important that our, you know, our young ones really know what's going on. And if that takes a constant nagging in their ear, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I used to do to my mom. Yeah, mom, whatever. You know, it's like, but at least they, they're hearing it. And at some point it may sink in and be of value when they encounter, you know, a situation. So I'm just going to try to do my best out there. That's all I can say. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, and I most sincerely thank you for stepping up to be my guest today. 
and I'll give the call now to do Miss Williams. And uh, you've been an awesome guest with your local contest. And uh, we all agree that what is most important is making it home. Then later on, we'll prove our rights. <laughs>